Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and today I am with an old friend and integral comrade, and one that is a friend to many of you as well, Rob McNamara. Hey Rob. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm excited about the conversation and seeing where we go today. Yeah, and me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fun seeing your trajectory and uh, your, your book, The Elegant Self, which we talked about and have a, a posting on the Daily Evolver blog. That was really one of uh, a conversation a lot of people really loved, and I did too. Yeah. And it's, you know, bringing this idea of elegance into, um, you know, one of the things we, we, as evolutionaries and integralists, we're always thinking about, you know, what's next and what's characteristic of these higher stages of development. Yeah. Because we see ourselves there. And not only do we see ourselves there, we see ourselves growing. And, you know, what's the felt sense of that? How do we know what leads us, you know? And, and now you're, you're sort of taking that work into the realm of leadership and organizational life. And yeah. you have a course on um, elegant leadership and uh, you're writing a book on that, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, there's three books on, on elegance. Uh -huh. The Elegant Self was the first. The Elegant Relationship is kind of, I'm actually writing that right now. And uh -huh. then the the elegant leader is um, in incubation, mm -hmm. but I'm a lot of the work that is being done professionally with with my clients is mm -hmm. in that is in that uh, that camp of elegant leadership. Yeah, the leadership yeah. because that's where people you know that's where the rubber really hits the road. Totally. You know, yeah. although I, I guess we'd have to say that happens in relationship as well. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> it's the big three. You know, it if is. we're gonna, yeah. I mean. I look at kind of the overarching drive and, and trajectory of my life as inspiring, demanding, supporting, facilitating more elegance in the world. Mm -hmm. Privately for Jeff while he's by himself, mm -hmm. you know, alone in relationship with the people that we love, with their families, with their friends, and then professionally in terms of vocation. And, you know, the, this what is our professional influence in the world? Um, I'm crystal clear that the world just needs more elegance. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so you know, yeah. what is this elegance? Tell us about this. Uh, <laughs> you know, because that's your sort of orienting principle, and and yeah. and and, yeah. and I feel myself respond to it. I know when I'm being elegant and when I'm not. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's easy enough to know, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, totally. And, and elegance does lead us into sort of a higher vibrational, you know, quality or something. So I'll let you tell me. But how do you see that? Well, I frame it just in terms of my expertise in adult development. There's a certain kind of developmental aptitude uh, or altitude that that is required. And and in in Robert Keegan's model. Um, it's his fifth order self-transforming mind where, where I'm kind of drawing a bright line saying, you know, elegance starts to really show up there. Mm -hmm. And um, so where again, in right, terms of the yeah, Keegan's in, model? In his fifth order, oh, okay. we're moving into that self-transforming mind. So okay. Where would that be in terms of, you know, Ken's altitudes or spiral dynamics memes? It doesn't line up. I know it doesn't. With That's, spiral dynamics. What's the general territory? But I would say, you know, it, it, just to put it in, in spiral dynamics, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of that 
that turquoise, mm-hmm. um, okay. certainly how I frame it. Yeah, and that's where my uh, listeners and I are actually most interested because yeah. that's a territory we see ourselves in, or you know, yeah. on a good day or aspiring. Yeah. So you know, we're right on target here. Yeah, totally, cool. totally. So it's somewhere in that neighborhood. And for those of you who've read the the elegant self, if you notice that I actually never define it. <laughs> I wrote a whole book That's about a it. Good trick. And I and I actually never explicitly define it, but I do kind of uh, explicate a lot of the core features that I see as just foundational for it to show up. But I think that that defining it and keep it and, and creating it into a, a fixed thing actually kills the whole elegance thing, which is um, what I'm trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. So like elegance and and you, I I love the the flavor and texture. You're like. You know, I can catch, you know, I can catch its scent and I can feel its mm-hmm. momentum when it, when it, uh, when I start to really participate with elegance mm-hmm. and I, I become an elegant human being. And as soon as I try to possess that yeah. and own it and kind of uh, control it in some way, like, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just not quite there. Well, let so. me try to possess it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, no, yeah. I know. But, uh, but it does. I mean, it does have that quality. If we think in terms of integral speak, for me, it's it's like okay, so it's some sort of movement towards goodness, truth, and beauty. Yeah, you know, there's definitely a beauty to it. There's some some sense of what we would call flow, where we're sort of bigger than I'm bigger than my small Jeff. Yeah, and I'm being lived, and I'm being played, and I'm being skied, and I'm being made love with by not just me, yeah. but with a bigger, you know. Yeah. Identity, if you will. Totally. And that kind of stuff, I, I can even, as I talk about it, begin to feel the thrill yeah, me in too. my body, yeah. you know. And yeah. that's a wonderful marker mm-hmm. for this. And, and I love what you said. Actually, I think it's on your website or one of your blog posts uh, where you talked about, and this is in the context of elegant leadership, that you want to be magnificent. Yeah. And that, that also has a quality that is mm-hmm. thrilling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Also feels a little exhausting, maybe. But until I was thinking about it, you know, when you, the magnificent, <laughs> I kind of liked it, and I thought I'm exhausted being magnificent. <laughs> and then I think, but wait a second, I can be magnificently still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I can be magnificently simple. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Uh, but can I be magnificently lazy? I, mean, I think so. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely, and. Uh, you know, we're just talking about the world needs more impact. And and if we're just kind of in our more autonomous self and not in this more kind of post-autonomous domain of elegance, but, you know, we get so seduced by our own will and our own volition and our own drive and our own aspiration and even expectation, which are all, you know, in many ways, good and true and beautiful. But being stuck in there is a nightmare. Yeah. At least most people that I talk to, it's a it's a total nightmare in terms of the exhaustion, the fatigue, the the just sheer amounts of cortisol for decades on end, and you're always kind of trying to chase something, and you're never quite there. And like, I mean, I I, I can feel the those dimensions of myself, um, and I'm really suspicious of them yeah. <laughs> because they're insane. Yes, but it's you know it, it misses the sweetness of your eyes in this moment. It misses mm-hmm. kind of this like very fine texture of like love and mm-hmm. resonance that I feel with you in this mm-hmm. moment. And like even just the the texture of the room, mm-hmm. you know, feel you know mm-hmm. feels good. And there's like 
a buoyancy and a vibrance that is always holding us Mm -hmm. if we can actually get outside of our kind of, you know, the the steel trap of our more autonomous mind, you know. Yeah, it's sort of the same thing of just be sort of breathing a bigger self into being, aerating and, you know, receiving some of the, I think, loving intelligence and power and energy of the universe. Yeah. Right? Or or maybe even God or somebody. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I love what you said in your um, writing as well about how other people um, become, you know, something that we can charge against. Yeah. You know, and, or charge with, or, you know, that there's juice in the system itself. And we don't have to be bringing the juice all the time. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. That's, that's the exhausting part is when we think we have to make it happen or we fix it. We have to or initiate or bring it or kind of force it. Yeah. 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 It's just no matter what you do, it's just not going to be an elegant solution or yeah. engagement with something. Yeah. Yeah. So you... In your work, you know, you were a teaching fellow at Harvard, uh, you with Keegan's work, and yep. you're doing coaching with really top, you know, leaders in the corporate world and so forth. And what are they after? What, what, what are you helping them with? How do you see that? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're usually after more power and influence not in kind of an unsophisticated way, but particularly the ones that are, that are more mature, they feel the reality of death, and I can go there very quickly with them. You know, usually in my first sessions, I'm usually asking them, you know, the, the more kind of typical questions of like, who do you, you know, what do you need to do before you die? Which oh, is, so you start with the easy question. I start with the easy Jesus ones. Jesus Lord, Rob. That one's an easy <laughs> one. The, the, the one that I love lately is it asks, who do you need to be when you're dying? Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And, you know, then forcing them into um, inhabiting that now. Yeah. You know, and challenging them and supporting them to kind of, get curious mm-hmm. and um, those inquiries bring forth a really deep synthesis between um, vocation, like what I'm doing in the boardroom and what I'm doing with direct reports and, and also my, like what matters most to my heart, mm-hmm. like what my life is just starving to kind of, for me to taste just personally and for, for me to kind of influence others in a very kind of, elegant way just to use the term again but there's a there's an immaculate thing that that people are after i would say mm-hmm. but there's all kinds of uh, underneath that there's all kinds of you know distraction and overwhelm and anxiety and um, uncertainty and conflict mm-hmm. and you know there are, you know I, I would say that that a lot of my work with with leaders is unpacking that and kind of freeing them up and kind of uh getting them more aligned with, with ultimately what their mission and purpose is in, mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. And not, you know, I, I don't really spend a whole lot of time doing a one-year vision or a five-year or mm-hmm. ten-year vision like a mm-hmm. lot of coaches do. Right. Um, I, I find them fairly ineffective yeah. and inefficient because I'm, I'm actually not interested in it. I don't care where you are in ten years. What's most important for me is that clients get a, a taste 
of their reason for existence. Mm -hmm. So this overarching um, purpose of their life. And it is a singularity that displays itself in every facet of their life mm -hmm. that, um, that I'm really interested in. And if mm -hmm. you can clarify that and contact it and groom it, um, all of a sudden, you know, the, the five and the 10 year stuff takes care of themselves. Yeah, it really does. Uh, it? Particularly and in some ways I wouldn't want to trust my current me to know what I'm doing 10 years from now. I right. mean, it's going to be a su surprise. Yeah. It's going to be an unfolding. Yeah. And yet, as you say, it's, it's also good to sort of skip ahead and who, who do I need to be when I die? And it's good to play in that territory, but totally. you don't want to get gripped by it. And most important is to be awake and alive right now and then trust that, you know, it takes care of itself Yeah, in a certain way. And that's kind of the, the paradox is if, we've, if you find the experiential answer, not just kind of some fluffy you know, idea of like who I need to be when I'm dying, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you actually discover it in the moment who I am right now. Yeah. And it's usually one of the most kind of fulfilling, uh, sacred moments of life mm -hmm. is, is being in contact with that mission mm -hmm. and that meaning and that purpose. Yeah. That is simultaneously like, uh, carving forth a trajectory in terms of where you're going and where you're shaping your organization, the culture around you, your family, relationships. It's taking you all in a particular direction, but there's a, de a descending um, uh, movement into the present moment that is a that is a fruitional display of uh, who you are. Mm -hmm. And so there's a paradox inside of elegance. Mm -hmm. You know, like you get really powerful in terms of where you're going, but you also um, aren't going anywhere. Right. To be, yes. Yeah. No. Anyway. Well, from, you know, a spiritual perspective, it's a wonderful melding of absolute and relative <laughs> reality. You know, there's nowhere to go and right. nothing to do. And then yeah, that gives us sort of the capacity to do anything. Yeah. You know, and everything. Yeah. 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 And it enables us to actually relax. Yeah. And enjoy the ride. Be lazy. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. Be ferocious, yes. driven, yeah. but, you know, doggedly passionate and yeah. engaged with it and not kind of doing it out of obligation and, yeah. you know. Well, know. these are actual, you know, I think of great spiritual teachings. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. that we want to be passionately engaged and yet unattached to the outcome. You know, that's a, right there, that's a, that's a great koan. That's a great polarity. Right. Actually, and there's a lot of juice and that polarity in either of those poles by itself is one is frenetic and anxious and the other is flaccid. Yeah. But together they actually create something. It's interesting, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and from, you know, uh, the language that you used of, of being skied. Yes. You know, and that notion of that when identity stops being kind of stuck to the form of you and it actually becomes kind of the very activity of form creation, yeah. which is inherently tethered to polarity that is an innately creative. Like when we plug into that, that source and can kind of fluidly move all over the place, um, yeah. life gets pretty delightful. That, that's one of the terms that I've been writing about yes. is delight. I agree. Yeah. No, I agree. And, I always love the Vajrayana teachings of the sort of high end tantric Buddhism yeah. teachings about the sparkle. The, 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 the sort of the world becomes sort of sparkly and stage lit. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, there's just sort of a, and a re-enchantment, a, a new magic. Yeah, yeah. That comes online. And we all know that. <laughs> we know that. that We all have glimpses of that. You, you, you have a baby. You have a 10-month-old, you know, that, that you know, skiing. Anytime you sort of lose yourself, it's interesting, our language. Yeah. I was blown away. I was beside myself. Right. You know, all of that stuff. It's right. exactly right. You know, yeah. you were. Yeah, totally. So, so really, in, in many ways, what you're doing is you're bringing some high-end spiritual teachings, which are about power, by the way, and liberation and freedom. Totally. Uh, and, you know, to people who are working in organizations and so forth. And, you know, you're working in the establishment. I love that, you know, with the Harvard pedigree and then working with Keegan and, you, you know, your books and you're an author and all of that stuff. And, and you talked about that there is uh, something that, you know, of course, everybody in corporate America is looking to be more effective and leveraged and powerful and all of that stuff. But there's a body of knowledge um, out of developmental psychology that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. And it really actually does map the ways forward. Totally. And that that's, um, so I want to ask you, just as an integralist who's interested in, is this getting any traction? Um, are there people in the business world who are noticing, you know, integral theory or developmental or, you know, wh where's it at in the marketplace of ideas? It's growing. Is it? You know, and, and I've got a, I've got my head in two two different areas. One is athletics and the other is kind of leadership and business. I'm interested to do more with government, but I, it's just those those doors haven't opened yet, but I'm sure they will at some point. Yeah. Um, but when I talk about development and I talk about aptitudes and I talk about elegance, it has tremendous traction. And more so than talking about it is giving people experiences of the different stages of, of development inside of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I, I think is different about how I approach this. And it's really kind of emerged after a decade of teaching it more conceptually mm -hmm. and grokking it more and more with greater nuance, finally like something let go. And it's like, I'm throwing that out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And, and now, um, in particular, I just came from our integral facilitator training, and I'll take people through a developmental journey, but I don't give them any conceptual frames. Mm -hmm. I just throw them in a group. I throw out a few adjectives, and I say, go. And literally, you can see the, the culture of them give birth to a particular stage. And sometimes somebody will kind of jump ahead into more complexity or kind of bring in some younger. And, you know, I'll trim out those things. But it's really amazing watching people give a somatically charged, culturally immersive, embodied experience of different stages of development as they mm -hmm. move through them. And when, when I give people that tangible, like felt sense, like this is what this stage feels like, mm -hmm. you know, you can just see mm -hmm. the lights going off in a really, in a new way. Mm -hmm. And um, I wish I would have done that when I was 23, when I was starting teaching, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. it, it's uh, it's really cool if you give people an experience. Yeah, that shift, that qualitative shift inside of themselves, there's no going back. Yeah, and they are relieved and liberated. They're like, okay, I can see that. I know when I go back into that habit. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it, this program, Commanding Influence. I'm I'm experimenting with. All right, like here's an audio program. It's not me live, and it's not, you know, but can I do that through just an audio medium? And, and I, we're getting a lot of really great feedback, which really? is awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cause it's an, 
it's uh, and few integralists and few developmental cats, as I often call mm-hmm. them, are aware of it. But just purely conceptual developmental yep. narratives, they erode well-being, and they erode happiness. Right. So the the more we kind they of they erode well-being and happiness. They erode what, well-being. What does now? Purely conceptual growth narratives. Uh-huh. So the more kind of cognitive, discursive map-making facility of developmental narratives that you have in your head, um, if you stay stuck there, your overall well-being and happiness goes down. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an important kind of thing to underscore. Right. Um, and <laughs> yeah. at least that's what the research says. So ever since kind of stumbling across that, I mean, you know me with embodiment, I've always held it as a centerpiece of my life, but it really kind of connected the dots. It's like, okay, like I can't just give people conceptual ideas of development and then let them go. And then they read more books and they get more interesting developmental conversations. But what gets skipped oftentimes is that experiential felt sense, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I mean, even... Can you do some of, I mean, is there any way to transmit that now? with me and our listeners and yeah particularly we talk about the fifth order and, and um you know the sort of turquoise what's the you know i mean is there something you can help us feel sure yeah well um i would say just because i like going there i would steer our attention towards anxiety mm-hmm. and um just notice the the organismic organization around staying out of anxiety and what I often call that is some form of an, an encapsulated autonomy and for particularly for a lot of adults who've made it into at least autonomous stages of development they, they get very good and very insulated in their ability to kind of keep anxiety at bay mm-hmm. and um, in particular growth narratives <laughs> <laughs> that are conceptual in nature operate and help us do that. And we'll, because I can see, so I'm anxious. So I have my growth narrative and I use it to see where um, things are going to be better or what, what, what do you, I mean, you might, you, you know, one way that you might do it is you, you might actually tell a narrative, tell a story, construct kind of a, a coherent kind of weaving of experience that says, I'm, be, I'm beyond that. I actually developed past that now. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't actually have to attend to it. Right. I don't have to feel it as fully. I'm, I've kind of gone beyond that. You know, and we kind mm-hmm. of author ourselves out of experience. Right. And one of the more disturbing um, but hilarious findings of developmental research uh, is that <laughs> particularly once we really get the idea of development, we'll rewrite our history and tell a story you know it's like oh you know jeff i used to not have these aptitudes mm-hmm. <laughs> but if we have some really good studies that show actually you did have those capacities five years ago but you're telling a narrative that's suggesting that you didn't so that right now you have kind of a more kind of fabricated experience that you are developing <laughs> which is kind of wild hmm. right interesting so in terms so of tell me, so, so I see that you know I, I feel that I've got some new growth or some new new aptitudes that I'm experiencing as being new, 
And that's making me happy and feel more developed. But in fact, it's a fabricated story. It might be. It might be, might not be, but yeah. it might be. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, five years ago, I had these same capacities, but I'm just sort of writing another story that makes me feel good. Right? <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's just something to be aware of. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all do. Yeah, I think you I know? do that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good to know. But so, and I, I actually know what you're talking about, too, because I think back and I think... Well, there's just awareness itself. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, I remember as an infant looking out through these eyes. You know, that never changed. That yeah, Jeffness yeah. has yeah. been there all along. But you're talking about the, the actual capacities of growth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. But so, you know, in, in this moment, um, we should actually experience some suspicion, you know, and not just a conceptual, like, I'm a little suspicious of the narratives in my mind, but like it. You know, if you can feel it in your gut, like this research actually kind of points at something that is disturbing. You know, there's there's something disturbing about our autonomous reference points that fabricate a world that isn't really accurate so that we can feel good. <laughs> well, damn right. I mean, you're like <laughs> you're blowing my bubble here. Awesome. <laughs> well, but so that blowing of the bubble you know, it, it's a popping of kind of this more autonomous reference point, mm -hmm. you know. And so what happens right, is. is like... I mean, I mean, I feel less gripped as Jeff once yeah. that bubble's burst. Yeah. But go on. Yeah. Well, just what's the quality of your breathing now? What's mm -hmm. the quality of your attention now? You know, there's a softening, at least in as I experience it, there's actually a softening yeah, that's occurring. me too. And, um, you know, we're not so invested in kind of the, the narratives and where we're going. And, and there's actually a broader aperture of experience that becomes available. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would um, kind of steer attention towards. Mm -hmm. You know, when we move out of autonomy is largely governed by your narratives and your kind of conceptual meaning making. It's, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's largely what it is. And when we grow beyond that, we start getting into more direct contact with just a naked experience of what reality is, mm -hmm. including all the concepts and narratives that are going on. Yeah. And so this is kind of a, a, a developmental shift. Yeah. You know, there's kind of the conceptual narrative mm -hmm. of growth and development. And then there's actually the aperture of uh, Jeff's body mind that's just actually soaking in and kind of being permeated by my voice even just the idea of kind of your audience listening in, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the sort of paradox of it all is that I feel more relaxed than ever. Okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, uh, you call it softening, whatever, but yeah. it's... Um, A relaxing. You know, yeah. 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 So maybe I can now tell this new story about how this is a new emergence. <laughs> 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 and the beat goes on. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we have to sort of lie our way forward. I don't know. Well, what, what helps is the, the experiential growth narratives. Mm -hmm. That felt texture, you know, of knowing what it feels like when I'm just going to do what I want for me. And, it's in, and I don't care about anybody else's perspective. To know that in your body and then to feel what it's like to actually hold somebody else in relationship and to feel that in your body in terms of like, actually I intrinsically care about you mm -hmm. at just as a means of taking me that, like that, those are qualitatively distinct 
stages of development. Now we can talk about them intellectually, but for you to experience the difference between the two Mm -hmm. and then, you know, moving away from the more socialized reference point of like, I need you to be okay for me to be okay. And actually it's okay for me to be radically anxious and you be totally relaxed, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's okay, you know, and and there's room for diversity and we're curious about those differences, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and to feel that shift in our, in our bodies not just in our stories, but to feel it experientially, that actually adds happiness and it adds well-being to people's lives, which is pretty stunning. So development uh, at its heart, in my opinion, is always adding mm-hmm. um, capacities, you know, adding capacities, adding happiness, adding happiness, ha- adding you know well-being. Yeah, and that's not to say that that. In between stages, these bridgings are incredibly painful. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly disorienting. Mm-hmm. But when you give people a succinct kind of experiential contrast between these two modalities, mm-hmm. you can see this relief. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't matter which stages you're working with. But there's yeah. a relief of like the map, going back to what you were saying earlier, the map itself, um, it, it's it's very, it's instructive. It's mm-hmm. incredibly instructive. Yeah. yeah. So... Th- Talk a little bit about what you just mentioned, the sort of places between uh, yeah. where it can be quite painful. And what are the textures of that, particularly at the you know, integral stages? I, mean, I have a lot of friends who are very unhappy, yeah. you know, and in pain and depressed yeah. and addicted. And, you know, and they're very smart and they're highly developed. <laughs> so what's up with that? Yeah. Rob. Well, I, I would say one is a lot of conceptual development and weaker on the experiential side of things. Yeah. Um, that's one. And then two, like growth beyond your cultural norms is always hard. It's mm-hmm. just brutal, you know? Um, yeah. I guess I don't have to say it's always brutal, but it tends to have a flavor of like, wow, that's just not fun. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, in particular, though, the move beyond autonomy, and I'm going to pick up some of Kirkroyder's model, her construct of where, God, brutal stage. Really? Brutal. People and are what, where would that be in? Um... So it's kind of, it's it's the early part of this fifth order, self-transforming. Yeah. So it'd be greenish, teal, yeah. tealish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're moving in that direction. Yeah. That is brutal. I know that stage. Yeah. It's bummed out. For one thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, one way that we can talk about it is like we just did this like little construct aware moment around conceptual narratives and how they're kind of fabricated moment to moment and how they, you know, (laughs) might not be exactly truthful and they might be kind of deceitful and all that fun stuff. But just starting to see the activity of your habituated ways of constructing meaning and then also having access to tastes that's of something else, you know, and we can kind of frame it as a different state of consciousness, a different stage of consciousness. I talk about modalities of consciousness, um, but we start getting access to things that taste and feel and experience way different. And oh my God, it's really good, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the thing that my whole being has been starving for in so many ways. So give me an example or help me feel into that a bit. Um, So the, I don't know, give me a habit that you're struggling with. 
Just laziness. Okay, laziness. I, I, you know, a magnificent laziness is appealing to me, but you know, <laughs> at some point, it's just laziness. Laziness is a great <laughs> one. Laziness is a great one. Um, so to be able to see laziness more vividly, you know, just because more of you is object and you can see it clearer, it makes it hurt more. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. probably true, isn't it? Because usually the facility that's that's witnessing or seeing the laziness is looped into some developmental narrative that's saying, guess what, Jeff? You're supposed to be beyond that. Yeah. Right? Which is kind of the downside of like development. It adds this always this pressure, like you're just not developed enough. Like, right. well, already, like, come on. Like, you, <laughs> when are you going to get over this? And it's one of the things I like to work with my clients is like grapple really hard with it. Grapple with it. And in the end, you're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, why am I paying you? Right, exactly. <laughs> what, like, what, what am I doing? But there's also a sense of like re, the, you know, part of them relaxes, mm -hmm. you know, but this conflict and trying to get out of our habituated patterns that we see as holding us back and gosh if we could just get rid of that we can see like wow i could do so much more and right. blah 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 i could be so much more and like the world would sincerely be a better place and most people buy into those 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 narratives that it's true mm -hmm. you know and it's only a very 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 few people who actually get beyond that stage mm -hmm that that will tell you like actually a lot of your grapples with these core habituated patterns you lose mm -hmm. and it's only in the surrendering and the opening that we start to taste something beyond where oh my god i can be radically kind to this habit mm -hmm. and i can actually be really lazy mm -hmm. and i can be fucking magnificent at it yeah and i can delight in being lazy yeah and I also can, at times, be incredibly motivated yeah. and so driven and so productive and so kind of efficient. You know, all the things that we think are really good, yeah. you know. And um, I but, have, you know, the freedom to be both. Yeah. Well, that, that, that would be progress for me. Because yeah. currently, um, I can't be lazy without feeling bad about it. Okay. Uh, so, you know, to be lazy and actually drink it up. Uh, sounds kind of delicious. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. and like there's some constitution of your being that is innate to Jeff that is you're lazy. Yes, it's true. You know? And like there I've said it. The <laughs> <laughs> catharsis with you in this interview. God people. But, yes, but yes, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And like once you kind of plunge into to the radical acceptance, and this is kind of coming from Cook Reuter's languaging, you know, when we get into her more unitive stage, um, the habituated struggle with, with habits falls away. We actually have access to a sincerely radically open presence, mm -hmm. you might say, that, that can actually participate and move with our habits. And that's what makes them transformative. Because I'm yeah. not in this locked struggle, but the more you kind of delight in your laziness, mm -hmm. you're going to start to see that your laziness is is actually a, a huge asset. Yeah, you know, it sure it doesn't help you, you know, do X, Y, and Z, but it does 
mature you and it does refine you in, in important ways that you just haven't been seeing. Yeah. At least that would be. Well, you just talked about there's a presence or something that. Mm-hmm. Say that again because I'm not there yet. I mean, I, I don't. I didn't get that. Yeah. There's a presence that comes <clears throat> in, or what, what was it, was that? Well, there's a presence that's that's outside of habituated struggle. Okay, that's good. You know, and and so there's some dimension of you that actually um, isn't at struggle with the struggle and isn't in struggle with without the struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, and that polarity finally kind of releases. And and as I talk about in my book, the elegant self, like the movement towards elegance is always a movement beyond the polarities. Mm-hmm. You know, so that you're mm-hmm. actually the space that holds the yeah. full range. Yeah. You know. But, you know, like a great practice would be for you to just be be more lazy. Oh, I love that practice. See? I so, have to hire you. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need a new guru. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Reifies my laziness. Yeah, yeah totally. No, I, 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 I agree. I think I know, I know what you're talking about. And I know that that's not where I'm at. I mean, that's an edge I'm working on, if you will. Yeah. To let the purity of the moment be there without a lot of added overlay, you know, in general. Yeah. Yeah. And just to kind of, so you're having this kind of conceptual realization, but to steer it into a distinction, like at the beginning of our conversation and and actually that realization right now, what's the contrast in your body? Yeah. Like, let's notice that. And at least that's where I get curious. Well, if I, I can answer that question. Yeah, it, it's um, heavier. Uh, it's uh, more liquidy. Yeah, it's um, more lit up. Uh, I can feel my belly uh, more warm. Um, I feel that sort of deliciousness of being lazy yeah. in this moment, actually. Yeah, and it's not so. It's a, it's, it's not empty. I mean, somehow I thought the, the laziness would feel more empty, but it actually feels kind of full. Huh. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the empty laziness is what, you know, you kind of don't want, I think. <laughs> I mean, Rob, you're still not going to you know, convince me that it's all good. But no, I, I, no, I do. I feel definitely yeah. uh, more um, of what I just talked about, yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because, like, um, my experience is like I I'm starting to kind of well up, mm-hmm. oh, you know. Yeah. And there's just something that's exquisitely beautiful about, you know, whatever the shift is, and I don't even understand it. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it's just there's like a tenderness to my heart, and there's like a recognition of more beauty, and part of me actually relaxes and settles. Um, because of the move that you just did. And like, now I'm different and I'm actually softened and more open and, um, yeah. 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 That's very sweet. Totally. Very sweet. And like, imagine if we could, if we could bring this kind of exchange into management conversations. Oh my God. And like into the workplace, because so much time is spent at work. You know, is that possible? It just seems so antithetical to the organizational milieu and mind. Yeah, it is right now. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. It, it's a countercultural, you know, provocative maneuver 
but um, I don't seem to have a choice in the matter of, yeah. you know, saying, people, we got to get way better at uh, challenging each other to become more, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, these paradoxical things are, you know, gifts, you know. Yeah. But I, I can see, you know, as a manager, you know, under, under deadlines where I really need, like, your best work and the habituated pressure, like, my first move would be to push on you. Like, we got to rally, you know, we got to do this, we, you know. And you'd muscle through it, you know, and your cortisol would spike you know, over the six months that we're driving towards this end, you're gaining weight, you know, you're less happy, you have less energy, you know, and we get to that end product. And then, you know, there's a quasi kind of like feeling of satisfaction. And then, you know, we're on to the next thing. And like, that's what people are living in. Oh, you know? totally. And the, the more kind of elegant maneuver is like, Jeff, you know, turn off your fucking computer go watch some movies, be lazy, you know? And, but when, like, I need you to do whatever you need to do mm-hmm. to find out how you need to come in plugged in with more energy, more mm-hmm. passion, more fire, yeah. and more aliveness. Yeah. Like, and to kind of in, start those kind of conversations. Yeah. Um, well, in a way, it's almost clarifying the polarity. Yeah. So that I can, when I, I'm lazy, I can be really, truly, deeply deliciously lazy right right which ends actually it turns out you know when i'm never allowing myself to be fully lazy it never ends my desire to be lazy i know i know (laughs) it's endless and i you know i get my cortisol up and i work when i have to and i'm under pressure and deadline and all that but i'm never really there either on that side of the pole because i want to be lazy yeah and so this is just getting sort of rid of that, you know, it's clarifying these poles and letting them yeah. do their job, which is charge the situation. Right. That's right. what poles do. Yeah. Positive yeah. and negative poles. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when, at least this is my experience, um, just to pick up a polarity, like when I'm really um, being very masculine and forceful and challenging, like if I'm a little bit scared of being too much um there's a there's a blunting of my energy yeah. and i end up being more of a bully yeah it's you know and, and and i hurt people yes and i kind of just you know i just plow people over just because i can you know but if i if i follow that that polarity to its extremity to where i'm not blunting myself i go through the fear and i know i'm going to hurt you and now I'm going to pierce in you and I'm going to cut right through you. And I'm going to push you over. I'm going to cut right through your heart with my feedback. It's amazing. I become massively open and receptive and sensitive and nuanced. And I'm more able to stop right where I need to stop and cut right where I need to cut. Yeah. And I would, I would imagine that you'll feel this flip when you really kind of relish in the delight with kind of an unconditioned permission to be lazy yeah. that you, on the other side it's going to flip and you're going to be on fire your hair will be on fire right you know brett won't be sleeping right <laughs> yeah. you, you know like the ferocity will come online and and watch out world yeah. you know and then that that'll pass yeah you know but it's like uh, you know it, this again the autonomous reference point one it loves the idea of authenticity mm-hmm. it loves the ideas of balance 
it love like it's those those concepts are so kind of intoxicating. Well, they are. And they're, yeah. And, they're well, so and those people are intoxicating. Yeah. When you run into people who are just authentically who they are, like entertainers, uh, singers, uh, athletes, uh, leaders, uh, p- people who are just who they are. There's a guilelessness to them. I know a few people <laughs> like that. They're yeah. They're there's magnetic. A, there's a few people like that. Yeah. Exactly. A few people yeah. like that. Yeah. But they uh, are riveting right. to the rest right. of us. Yeah. Because yeah. they're who they are. And imagine if we were all who we were. And imagine if we actually, work made us happy. And that we didn't expect that it was the place we go to expend and deplete our energy. Right. But right. it was the place where we go to express and, and create. Yeah. That would make me happy. That's kind of this, this whole umbrella of elegant leadership is, you know, those are those are totally questions that we need to start asking. So do you do any of this in groups or mm-hmm. are there people working with uh, corporate teams? And does this actually, are they getting this or am I? Well, I'm, I'm just getting my kind of organizational consulting feet under me. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunities, and, and I'm, I'm doing some extraordinary work with uh, Denver University right now. Tell you, what, what's the crux of it? So I'm, I'm working with um, their lacrosse team, hmm. all of their coaching staffs, and they got, they got 50, 50 of the best lacrosse players in the world, essentially. Um, they're ranked. They're a, rec- a lacrosse uh, school, aren't they? Or t- they they've become a powerhouse. Yeah. <laughs> so they're ranked number one in the nation right now. Wow. But we're doing developmental leadership work with the whole coaching staff and the whole the whole you know you know all of the athletes. And we're we're uh, my my good friend Trevor Tierney and I we're we're um, spearheading a, a program for the whole athletic department there, and we're kind of seeding that and we're seeing where it's going but there's a lot of traction when we talk about development people are starving for more aptitude yeah i mean that's really what you know the workplace is asking for implicitly it's like we need greater aptitudes at work yeah and you know the unfortunate thing is that if you get somebody who can really grow your aptitudes in work as a manager or as a leader oh my god you just hit the the lottery because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're very few and far between. It's true. And um, if you have the ability to kind of craft your own work such that it actually is doing the work grows you, um, you've hit the kind of vocational lottery. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to kind of make the vocational lottery more, um, there's more winners. And that's kind of what commanding influence really mm-hmm. um is is all about it's it's helping people kind of free up some of their earlier roots of development that so many of us get tangled in to kind of bring online more uh self-authorship and more Mm -hmm. kind of uh, autonomous drive and directionality which which sets the stage for the conversation that you and i are having Mm -hmm. but even you know people who are testing into these post-autonomous stages um, most of them need this kind of cleaning out and a lot of rigorous work on the earlier stages just to free up the attentional energy um, to move forward yeah. in a more kind of... And just give me some work. examples of what the freeing up of these earlier energies looks like. What are you talking about there? Um, Anger, you know, emotional uh, problems or... Usually, like, I, I'm focusing pretty closely on relationships. Mm-hmm. And how relationships, um, the influence that relationships have on us, 
you know. But and you're talking relationships of all sorts or the primary love Primary, I'm talking about in the workplace. I see. Yeah, in this program, it's all professional development. And it's, you know, what influence does your boss have when he or she walks in the room, you know, comes in your office, sends you an email, calls you, like what, how does that influence you? Because it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, let's not pretend like it doesn't, right? Yeah. Um and how do you reclaim that that power that needs to be sourced from within yourself? That would be kind of one one area that we look at. Yeah, yeah. and you work in with this sort of thing, even with the lacrosse players and and the coaching staff. And yeah, that sounds great, Rob. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot totally of fun. great. Yeah. Well, anything else we should know? I thought we were going to have an interview, but we had a therapy session. I'm sorry, but I probably owe you some money or something, don't I? <laughs> no, that's awesome. that fun, man. No, really, I'm a different person. That's you know, awesome. whatever. We had a, it's a great. I feel I feel uh, uh, moved. Yeah. yeah it's, that's not bad. Yeah. In 45 minutes or whatever. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, it's part of the, the whole elegance thing, which is you know, there's uh, – because it's interesting, you know, like if I was working with somebody who's more autonomous, you know, the the amount of effort, you know, like even just how they would tell their story. It's like I really had to work hard on this. And mm-hmm. like I, and I I really appreciate your posture because you got this big smile and you're, <laughs> you're actually just kicked back in your seat and you're like, Yeah, I'm changed. Yeah. You know, and it's like change did you, not like I really did some you know deep work today you know (laughs) like yeah and that's you know part of the the gift of of elegant leadership is that we can actually you know move with these innate movements that actually we are always changing you know and um it's a delight when we actually just it is i mean delight's a good word i mean i feel delightful i feel frothy i feel energetic um and i also feel you know it's kind of lazy i know it's time it's time to be lazy yeah yeah, I'm, I feel I'm the same be so thing. So lazy tonight, yeah. awesome. you are not gonna believe it. All right, it, shoot, <laughs> shoot me a line. Let me know how it goes. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> All right, thanks, Rob. Love My you. pleasure. Yeah. Love you too. Thank you. So, Rob McNamara, elegant self, elegant leadership. The courses, uh, commanding, commanding influence, influence. And, and your website. How might people check in on you? Yeah. So, the, if you go to ten directions, t e n directions dot com, that's um, where commanding influence is living in terms okay. of they, they produced it and I did a lot all the talking and they did everything else great um, so the, the good the good people uh, attend directions all right. but if you go to my website robmacnamara.com and you just click on professional courses it'll link you back there yeah. too so. many ways to find these things hopefully yeah. <laughs> alright Rob well thank you everybody thank you Rob and we'll see you next time thanks Jeff thanks everybody <laughs>